back, everybody, to another episode of the podcast to be named later. Noah Hiles here taking you through at least the first half of the show. Don't know uh, if Alex will be joining us or not. It'll kind of be played by ear. But for now, it's just me, and um, I'm going to be honest. Not sure what to talk about. The number one uh, main storyline, I guess, from Tuesday night would have been uh, Trippiano, Trippino, however you want to say his name, four good innings. That was all that happened, right? Now, in all seriousness, oh my god. What a night for the game of baseball. And, uh, it wasn't wasn't good for the Pirates, but it was good for everyone else. Lucas Giolito. It's ironic that I spent all of Tuesday's show talking about how great the White Sox offense was, and then... Tuesday night, their pitcher throws the first no-hitter of the season, of the year, of the decade, if you think about it. Um, Just an incredible performance from him, and uh, you kind of knew he had it from the start. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I predicted a no-hitter from, like, the first inning, Um, but one time through the order... I, I couldn't have been the only one thinking, man, this guy has his A game today. I mean, I know Brownie was talking about that on the broadcast. I know uh, Alex was was tweeting about it. Uh, he, he looked really impressive. And as a result, we see the first no-hitter of 2020. It comes against the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's the... I don't even know how many. I think there's been eight in the live ball era uh, against the Pirates. I can recall three now. Giolito, Scherzer, and Homer Bailey are the ones I remember. I'm sure there are ones before that happened semi-recently. But man, what a night. What a night of baseball. And I mean, we're going to get into the debate about how you react to a no-hitter when it's happening to your team. But first, I just kind of want to talk about it. Of course, it happens to the Pirates on Tuesday, of all the times. If this ha- it, it couldn't have happened, you know, against the Indians last week when they were struggling to even get a hit, or, you know, when they're on a five, six-game losing streak. Of course, it happens coming off of a weekend where they hit the ball Literally the best they had all series long. It comes after a weekend where they won, almost matched their season win total in in just a weekend. They're playing the best baseball they've had all year long. And it's like Thanos and uh, Avengers. The universe balanced itself out. Perfect balance. The Pirates were simply playing too good. Something drastic needed to happen to bring our world back to reality. Nature is healing. Baseball is is healing. The Pirates are back to where they belong. I mean, they never really left. They were always still in last. They were always in last place. But this no hitter was a nice reminder to uh, all the idiot podcast hosts who make an entire twelve minute segment about this team. Maybe it could get hot and compete for a playoff spot. Yep. Just just shut up. Just shut up. That that's what Lucas Giolito said to me specifically. It felt like that way anyway. Um, 
So when you look at this, when you look at this uh, performance from Giolito, I have a couple questions I want to ask the listeners here, the lunatics, the supporters. Was this Giolito being dominant, or was this the Pirates lineup just having a horrible game offensively, having horrible approach? I would argue that it was both. I mean, he had he had some stuff. Uh, the stuff he was throwing, the way he pitched on Tuesday night. He was at minimum going to shut out every lineup in baseball. At minimum. He was not giving a lot of good pitches to hit. I mean, he was he was solid. He was filthy. I don't know how many teams he would have no hit. Definitely the Pirates. We know that. But I I I don't know. I think a better lineup probably gets a hit off of him. I I don't know. I, I didn't want I the Pirates were not taking a lot of pitches. They weren't going deep into count. Uh, I would have probably liked to see more pinch hit at bats. Try to mix up the lineup a little bit later in the game. I don't know. I feel like it was not a great approach day at the plate for the Pirates. They they certainly didn't do much to get him off of his rhythm. You see when there's no hitters, I mean I'm not even asking for like a Jose Tabata instance where you lean over the plate, but maybe try throwing him off his rhythm. Call timeout right before he's about to go into a windup. Stuff like that, you don't really think about that in a regular game. You kind of think it's annoying, but that can throw a guy off his rhythm. And I, I didn't see any of that from the Pirates. It might sound cheap, but I mean, hey, if I'm if I'm playing, I'm competing. And I, I'm not letting you get that record, that that historic moment against me, easily. So, that's how I look at it. But he was efficient. I mean, I think it was what 101, 102 pitches. Very impressive from Giolito. So my next question is, when you're watching all of this go down, were you rooting for it? Were you rooting for Giolito? As a Pirates fan, is that okay? I'll tell you, I, I was. I definitely was. But I have a different dynamic when I watch these games. I'm covering the team. I'm a beat writer. I'm a podcast host. I'm thinking about content first. I did grow up a Pirates fan. I, I want to see them do well. I, I've been on the record saying that numerous times. However, and it, 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 it pisses off my family. It pisses off my friends uh, when they watch sports with me now. But I'm, I'm thinking as an angle, as a jur- or from the angle of a journalist... First, especially when it's about the Pirates, when I'm covering them, because that's that's the world I live in. That's my life. That's my job. So when I see that they're down four to nothing and it's through the fifth inning or sixth inning, I'm thinking, you know, what's the best case scenario here? If the Pirates win, cool. They're on a four game win streak. That'll be interesting. But would it be would it be more interesting to talk about a no hitter? I certainly think so. So I was rooting for it, and I think that that's okay. It's definitely okay, like I said, for my profession, because you're rooting for a story. It's also good for business. Alex is going to, by the time you're listening to this, Alex will have an awesome article on this. And it's going to get tons of clicks, and I'm excited to read it, and you guys should be too. It's going to be awesome. I was talking to him as he was writing it. He was giving me, you know, I I, I wasn't really giving him advice, but he was kind of giving me, like, previews, and we were bouncing ideas off of one another. And uh, it's going to include some co- cool stuff. It's, it's going to be really good. Um, and I'm jealous of him. I'm jealous that I wasn't there to see this in person. There's two 
Pittsburgh journalists there to document this. A moment in history. That's awesome. If I was him, I'd be framing that scorecard and hanging it on a wall. That's a moment in history that he'll tell his kids and his grandkids about. That's awesome. It's good for our business. It's good for us. But if you're a fan, as I kind of got off track there, if you're a fan, do you root for this? Have you rooted just beforehand? Were you rooting for Scherzer? Were you rooting for, for Homer Bailey? And does it come with a couple stipulations? Uh, when, when is it appropriate to cheer for a team that <clears throat> is no-hitting your team? When is it appropriate to cheer for the opposition? My my rule is after the fifth. When you're more than halfway through the game, I think it becomes interesting. That's when no-hitter watch alerts get sent out from, from ESPN and everybody. That's when it gets exciting. That's when the hype really builds. And I think once you get through two, once you get through the lineup twice, that's when it gets really, really good. So those those are... Those are my indicators, and I think that that's when you shift from fan of the team to fan of the sport. And and again, it depends. Like if you were a Reds fan, and the and your team was getting no hit by Roy Holiday in the 2011 playoffs, I believe it was, maybe it was 2010. I don't know. Whatever year he threw that no hitter, uh, that might be different. You might be saying, "No, I don't want this to happen." I get that. Also, I mentioned previous no-hitters that I remember watching. I did not want to see Homer Bailey no-hit the Pirates because I don't like the Cincinnati Reds. I am indifferent about the White Sox. I'm indifferent about the Nationals. I mean, I'd like to see the Pirates beat both of them, but if it's a Brewers pitcher, if it's a Reds pitcher, Cardinals, Cubs, you know, teams like that, maybe even the Braves, uh, no, I don't know if I want to see that happen. Is, or I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be won over a lot later. And there's certain pitchers just in general. Like if you might not like certain pitchers, like Trevor Bauer, for example. A lot of people have a problem with Trevor Bauer. If you don't like Trevor Bauer, you might just simply not root for him, even if he's one out away from a perfect game. And I get that. But is that how it goes? Sound off in the comments section. When is it okay to cheer for the opposing team slash opposing pitcher in the midst of a no hitter? When when did when did you want to see this happen? If at all, were you rooting for the Bucks all the way up to Eric Gonzalez's final out of the game? I know I wasn't. I was excited. I had chills when that when that final out was recorded. That was fun to watch. I enjoyed rooting for it. I enjoyed being along the whole ride of it. It was cool. Let me know in the comments. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to be joined by one of the few people who got to witness it in person. Alex Stumpf was in the ballpark. He's going to step away from writing his story to join me on the same night of the first no-hitter of the 2020s. Joining the show for the second segment is a guy you all know and love. I at least hope so. And one of the few people who when we talk about the year 2020, will be able to say he witnessed a no-hitter in person during a pandemic. He's fighting, he, he was eating a yawn. You can't see it right now, because uh, obviously <laughs> this is an audio platform, but he's worn out, uh, as, has, as he should be, because 
I'm sure he's working on something special for the website. His game story, it's Alex Stump. Alex, buddy, what a night. What a night to be a beat reporter. Yeah, yeah, it was different. I mean, it, like you said, only a handful of people outside of people who are in uniform can claim that they are at this game. And watch, like, I'm talking like anything, like security, people who work for the team in media relations, reporters. There's only like a pool of a couple dozen people who actually saw this game in person or maybe saw this game in general because there's that brief power outage yeah. for a bit. So. What, what, an, ah, just, what an incredible night. I, I personally, uh, I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but I wanted to contribute something to this so bad. But, like, I completely get you. Like, in, in our employee, like, message app we have, uh, DK was like, something needs to go on the site immediately after the game. I'm like, I got that. And Alex is like, no, I got this. And I like, was there. No, no, but that's exactly it. Like, it was, yeah. it was all you, man, and I envy you for that. Uh, and, but, like, I would have been the exact same way. I mean, this is, this is your story to cover. It's your story to tell. I knew you were writing a bigger one. I wanted to just maybe – Sneak in and get a little uh, page views next to the NAH initial at the bottom of the SEO. But no, you you deserve it all, man. That's that's uh, it's real. I'm excited for you. Uh, my first question for you before we even talk about the game: Did did you keep score? No, I didn't. Oh, come and I on. really regret it. I really, really regret it. You didn't like think after like the fourth inning like maybe I should get up and get a quarter. well that's disingenuous at that point like I could I, write the score right now if I, I so chose yeah I took book the entire game at home like See, I, I do I, for every game but I used to do book all the time but I've gotten lazy this year in particular and I think a lot of it is doing the live file and yeah. I mean, trying when, to get some stuff done beforehand some setup stuff it just doesn't seem like oh man I just don't have the time yeah no I get it and like you like it you can find whatever play you want online too you know like it's not yes. hard uh I I noticed that too like when we're covering a game like you, you try to take book at every home game and then by the third inning like I'm like oh he's he's tapped out uh yeah. but um are you gonna do anything with your credential would be my second question because if I were you I'd frame it <laughs> I'm dead serious, dude. Like that's I, I didn't even think about that. Um, I would save that credential. And like that's something yeah. you're gonna want to show your kids one day. Yeah. That was my magic pass to go into into that game. It's a piece of history, man. That's really cool. So take me through the entire game. Uh I remember you tweeted in the first inning. You were like, he looks pretty damn good. I don't know yeah. what exactly you said, but I mean, and I had the same impression. Brownie on the broadcast said it too, like I mean, it's hard to say, like, this guy's going to throw a no-hitter in the first freaking inning of a game. But, like, his stuff was electric tonight. You're going to have – podcast people were just going to have to trust me on this one. Because after the second inning, I turned over and I said, I think he's going to flirt with a no-no tonight. And then after the fourth, it's like, yeah, he's going to throw a no-hitter tonight. Yeah. I mean, was, I, I mean, said the that, stuff was that. Uh, it was, I mean, obvious jokes about the Pirates lineup aside, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that wasn't exactly a very daunting bottom half of the order, but the stuff was just fantastic. The way he was able to use the off speed of breaking pitches early on in the count 
to mm-hmm. set up the fastball later. Eric Gonzalez put it back. He's the best. He's like, he, he pitched backwards. It's completely against him, you know, have, start with your fastball and then have this stuff play off of that. Yeah. I mean, and it, was, it was impressive to watch at home just seeing, I mean, again, the Pirates lineup struggles for hits in general. But it, it looked like a, it looked like a man, man facing a whole bunch of little boys out there. I mean, it was just dominant I mean, because there, there are some no hitters where it's like Tim Lincecum come through like 155 pitches the one time, and it was like six walks. Doc Ellis is no hitter. Uh, had yeah. he had, I think he hit like what, like six batters or something in that. Like there, there's a whole bunch. But I mean that, that was one bad. I mean, that was one close ball away from being a perfect game. Yeah. Well. He walked Eric Gonzalez on four pitches. Eric Gonzalez, of all hitters. Yeah, his first walk of the season. Yes. Yeah, he so, finally got that one. But Take me through the process of covering this. Because you're obviously you're there to, you're there to cover the Pirates, right? And your, your game mm-hmm. story, 99% of the time, it's an angle based on the Pirates. But this is different. Have you ever, I mean, have, A, have you ever seen a no-hitter in person before? And B, have you ever written a story on something like this where maybe it's not a no-hitter, maybe it's a three-home run game or a four-home run game. Maybe it's something, you know, just something incredible like this that's so rare. How does your coverage differ than this? It sounds like, you know, I'm interviewing you like I'm not also a big yeah. reporter. But <laughs> it's just, this is interesting, I think. Well, this was my first no-hitter mm-hmm. of, I never came close to one to covering as a, as a reporter. Um, back in 2008, I was in Fenway whenever oh, who, someone took a no-hitter against the Reds, uh, Red Sox. Lester? In 2008. No, 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 no. Red Sox are being new, no-hit. Oh. Someone on the Angels. It might have been Lackey. It might have yeah. been Lackey. I don't know. You can figure out. But that was taken into the ninth inning. That was the closest I had ever seen a no-hitter, you know, get, become one in person. And this was a, this was surreal to cover because I came into – I was talking to Noah earlier in the day. We tried to because, do morning Java three times. Yes. <laughs> outside yes. the White Sox Stadium, and it did not work any of those three times. It was a pain in the ass. It was. It really was. But we got it done, and we, yeah. it was good. You can't see my face, but you can see the ballpark, so it, it yeah. works out in the end. That's, if you're a, wondering that's what we why call we didn't win-win talk in about, the business. Yeah, if, if, you, if you're wondering why we didn't talk about the no-hitter, uh, it was because we recorded it, obviously, before the game. Yeah. But, but before the game, before we even got there, I had an idea for a story. It's like, here, here's what I'm going to write for the lead today. I'm not going to say it because, you know, I don't want to spoil it because I am still going to write that story. Oh, yeah. And I talked to Jared Prugar about it for a little bit. He's like, you know, you know, I would hold on to that for a little bit, save it. I was like, oh, yeah. all right, let's see if something comes up in this game. <laughs> <laughs> if I can save it. And actually early on, like in the fourth inning, I was going to write about how like Stephen Brault didn't give him any length. Yeah, and the, in, in the game. they needed it. it we're, we're, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, maybe if I would have gone through that angle, maybe I would have gone through Trapiano, and it would have been fine. It would have been fine for a story. Yeah. You know, considering I'm, I'm holding on to something bigger. Uh, but then, like, in the fifth inning, he's like, yep, yeah, that, that story's going to, you know, 
be put on the sideline if, mm-hmm. if he throws a no-hitter here, which I don't know. It was, I, it was one of those things. I, hadn't, I don't think I've ever called something like that before. We're going to have to, you know, just – only other person who can corroborate this story is Mike Persak. So, yeah, <laughs> that was – you know, after the second inning, it's like, I think he's going to flirt with a no-no. And then after the fourth, it's like, he's going to throw a no-hitter. It, it was just the way he was pitching, the way he was attacking. And once again, JT Riddle is your number six hitter. Isn't exactly a good thing. Yeah. Uh, well, like they even showed him in the dugout, like in like the third inning. And they said like, he's really feeling himself today. Like they did that in the third inning. And I don't know yeah. why they you, cut to that. You could tell him no hitter by the third inning. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it's just one of those situations. Yeah. Like he, just, just a buzz about it. What was it like watching this go down without fans in the stands? And do you think that if there were fans, this would have been different? I mean, everything would be different with fans this year. That's just 2020 baseball. Uh, It probably actually made my job a little easier, you know, not having any fans in there. Because, I mean, they, they, they spiked the volume up a little bit. The crowd noise, whatever. When he was on the mound? No, no, like oh. whenever it'd be when like the final out, out you know? was recorded. Yeah, well, ground out first out of the inning, a little higher of a spike. Second out, a little higher than that. You know, like it was, it was all genuine. There was no like competitive, mm-hmm. you know, advantage or disadvantage with it. It just sounded a bit more authentic. But you know, to actually kind of think, you know, towards the end, like, hey, I got, I got something out real fast because, oh my god, he's actually going to do it. We need to have this story on the internet within two minutes mm-hmm. max, if, if not a lot faster. So it was, it was a lot of improvising. It was a lot of trying to figure out what was going to come next. And I kind of don't – very selfish because I do want fans in the stands, but from, like, being able to do my job, it was a little easier, you know, to have, like – kind of pregnant pauses in there and you know it isn't quite as loud then again it was going to be in an august night in chicago who knows how many people would have gone yeah because that park never gets packed no it does not not like the uh not like the one on the north side um that's just not a nice ballpark to begin with uh no it, it actually is kind of a really ugly ballpark like well oh uh, yeah We'll talk about it. We'll probably talk about it on tomorrow's show. We'll we'll, we'll just keep the no-hitter talk going here. Um, and then what was it like after the game? Just the media availability for the players. Uh, you told me it was a little bit of a circus. Forever. Yeah, uh, but, I mean, I'm sure he had – what did he have to say after the game? How was he – what was his reaction? What were the Pirates' reactions to it? What were the White Sox players' reactions to it, the managers? Take me through the whole post-game real quick. The whole post-game – uh, he, he, I the best comp for Giulio as a pitcher would be Tyler Glass now. Okay, like his stuff wise, and also how they just absolutely had a horrid first year. So imagine if Tyler Glass now was still a pirate and he threw a no hitter. A lot of the questions are going to be like, man, when, that rookie year, whenever you were just the worst pitcher in the history of baseball. Mm-hmm. It, there was there was a lot of talk like that, and he answered a lot of questions like that about how you know this is a a culmination of so many things. My favorite quote that he gave the entire night was, you know, he he started to notice like in the sixth, hey, I can 
you do this seventh inning is like, okay, six outs. Let me look at the rotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is in the realm of possibilities, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to, to quote him on that one, which again, JT Riddle is your number six hitter. That's, <laughs> <laughs> and they let Gerard Dyson bat in the ninth and not drag bunt for some reason. Yeah. I what? don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure they would have played it right if, if he would have bunted. But yeah, they got a pretty good third baseman. Yeah. As for the Pirates, it was it was what you expect whenever you get no hit. I mean, Not this great. is a team that that had a a weekend resurgence on offense after just terrible play all season. They had a good weekend, a really good weekend against the Brewers, and they needed a really good weekend. And then they follow up with this and if there was any like head of steam that they were building any momentum it's it's gone in in that regard like even if they you know post six or seven runs I mean that's just the start of a second streak yeah as far as anyone's concerned like it's over I said in the first half of the show it was like Thanos perfect balance yeah where (laughs) you can't get it too high they got we they got too high and uh, something drastic had to happen to bring them back down to reality. Alex, any final thoughts on this crazy night? I cannot believe that the Pirates have four members on the taxi squad and they're keeping Cabrian Hayes at home. They chose no one over Cabrian Hayes. I cannot get over that. It's almost like you had that as a story idea or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's Alex J. Stump. I'm Noah Hiles. Follow us both on social media. Follow all of our DK Sports accounts, DK PGH Sports, uh, DK Sports Radio, all of our talented people who work here. Hit subscribe all to the podcast channel, DK Sports Radio, and give us a listen. We work hard to bring you the best content in the city, and I say that because I mean that. We do well here. I, I genuinely mean that. We, we don't throw no hitters, but we throw shutouts, I'd like to imagine. Um, and I'm going to quit my rambling now. Alex is tired. He's got more stuff to write. I got stuff to edit. You got stuff to listen to aside from our Pirates podcast. I encourage you to do that. We'll talk to you tomorrow.